everyone. Welcome to Grow Life. I'm Caitlin Johnson, and I have been passionate about living a healthy and balanced life for the past decade. I'm a mom, wife, volleyball player, rock climber, nature lover, and work as a physical therapy aide. I am perpetually looking for new perspectives to see the world through. Today, we'll be diving into addictions, compulsions, and the mental facets of health we often struggle to overcome. I'm here today with one of my best friends and volleyball teammate of almost five years to talk about her business beyond compulsion. Mary Paulus is an educator, author, and advocate for people struggling with unhealthy behaviors they want to change. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thanks, Caitlin. So I've learned a bit about your business beyond compulsion, and I know we've talked multiple times about how some people might struggle with actually identifying compulsive behaviors how that relates to addiction and how to overcome their compulsive behaviors. Can you tell me more about Beyond Compulsion and how you founded your business? Well, I was a smoker for 14 years and I learned the techniques that I teach and I've been teaching for over 30 years um, to overcome nicotine addiction. And, and since then I've just been, I've been so impressed with the techniques that I've been, I've wanted to share them with people that are struggling because I know there's not that many things available that really help people overcome compulsions and addictions for the long term that where they can really feel like they're free of that monkey on their back. So, so you overcame your addiction with smoking, but you, you've said before, we've talked about how addiction comes in many forms. Can you tell me some of the addictions you've worked with? In the yeah, past? I worked with smokers for, exclusively with smokers for many years. Um, and then uh, for kind of business reasons where I, would, I didn't want to be in, or I couldn't be in competition with my mentor in the same city, I started working with compulsive eating because I recognize, you know, having worked with smokers that the food, that food could be an addiction, um, <clears throat> and, and nobody seemed to be recognizing that. So I started, I adapted the techniques that I learned for uh, working with smokers to working with people that were compulsive with food. Did that answer the question? Yeah, so, um, and you've also mentioned you've worked with people addicted to oh, cocaine right, or right. other drugs. Yes, yes, um, I've worked with um, gamblers, well, I, I continue to work with smokers and with food compulsion, but I've also worked with gamblers. I've worked with compulsive spenders. I've um, worked with, uh, let me see, what else is there? Um, pretty much any, any compulsive behavior, any behavior that somebody is doing to the extent that it's harming them and they're unable to stop. So, I mean, there's, there's a few other things that I've worked with. Uh, Kleptomania, um, people that pick at their skin. There's, I mean, it's the compulsions show up in a lot of ways. Uh, relationships has been a big one. So, mm -hmm, yeah. yeah so, but you've been focusing a lot on um, misconceptions of obesity. And I know we've talked about um, some of the problems with that. Uh, when you actually Google health issues related to obesity, um, it talks about heart disease and stroke, high blood pressure, diabetes, cancer, gallbladder disease, gallstones, 
osteoarthritis, gout, breathing problems. And that's um, on the first page of your misconceptions pamphlet. Yeah. Um, I, <clears throat> so how do people, how do people struggle with obesity as a physical health issue? Well, obesity, of course, when a person becomes obese, they, they run the gamut of problems, the ones that you just read um, off the Google search. So there's, there's so many physical problems that are, that are related to, to obesity, but the problem is, is that the obesity is a symptom of a behavior. And that's, if, if people don't deal with the behavior that's causing the obesity, then they're gonna continue to have the physical problems. They just keep putting a Band-Aid on all these physical problems, but they're not getting to the, to the root of the problem, which is the behavior, which is compulsive eating. And I wrote a book, it's called Beyond Food Compulsion, which focuses very specifically on that psychological aspect of the problem. And the seven misconceptions about the obesity epidemic that you're referring to, I have the film on YouTube, um, and that, that lays it out real specifically what there's the seven misconceptions are about the obesity epidemic, and the first one being that it's a physical health problem, which it's, it's not. It has physical, well, depending on how you define physical, I guess, but it has a lot of physical consequences, but it's really a psychological problem, an addiction problem. Right, so that's where your business comes in, because we've talked about how a lot of weight loss programs focus on the actions behind the, you know, that come after the psychological yes. emotions or thoughts, and how you kind of get to the root of the problem versus yes. the action, the symptom of it. Um, and we talked about that one show, can't remember what it's called, but um, this guy, this personal trainer shows up at a woman's, uh, overweight woman's house, and they immediately <clears throat> get her into running shoes, and they start running four miles, and this woman, you know, has multiple hundreds of pounds overweight, and working as a physical therapy aide, I just kind of cringe at that, the force that's on her knees as she's running on concrete, and she is struggling breathing. I mean, I am a firm believer in exercise, but... Um, I think you mentioned that that's the cart before the, the horse. That's what I call it, the cart before the horse. Now, if someone, I, I have worked with many people with, you know, that are 100 pounds, 200 pounds, even 300 pounds overweight. Now, to try to put that person on a treadmill like they do on these shows and whatever, it's it's so the cart before the horse, and it's it seems so destructive not to mention demoralizing and sensationalist that, you know, it, these people are morbidly obese. And it's like that people want to watch someone yelling at them it's really sad. when it, it, it's really is sad. And, and the thing is, is it's, yeah, it, exercise is important, but exercise, it's another one of the misconceptions. It's never going to be a solution for obesity because a person does not become obese unless they have a compulsive relationship with food that contrary to popular popular belief people don't become obese just because they have a sedentary lifestyle or they eat unhealthy foods or they don't exercise 
those people are going to be unhealthy, but they're not going to become obese. They're not going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger for those reasons. The reasons people become obese or morbidly obese is because of what they're doing with food. And you don't see it because they don't do it in public. And I've said this to you before, you are far more likely to see a heroin addict run, put a needle in their arm in front of you than you're gonna see a compulsive eater doing what they do with food. It is the, in my experience, it is the most hidden of the addictions of the compulsive behaviors. Nobody wants to be seen doing what they do and they're not honest about it. Yeah, you were um, talking about a show you saw recently where the guy, he went in a stairwell and he was binging on oh, some Oh, right, food. yes, yes, the normalizing of compulsion. Now, they make it seem like on all the TV dramas that somehow it's just normal. They're always making jokes. Uh, there was one show where they said something about falling into the loving arms of their mashed potatoes, and it's like, all like funny, funny, haha, ha, right? <clears throat> but this particular show, I was impressed to a certain extent. <laughs> it unimpressed me later, but um, one of the doctors, uh, someone brought him some donuts and he, he threw them into the trash and he said, I'm making healthy choices from now on because, you know, it's all about healthy, right? And so then later they show him in the stairwell and he had retrieved the donuts from the trash can and was just shoving them into his mouth as fast as he could and that's more realistic yeah it's really and, sad because he could have just eaten one donut and called it good and you know said thank you for buying these donuts but instead yeah. turned it into this um yeah. it's kind of like the hamster on the wheel that you have in your uh, set of misconceptions. Yep. I can't have the donuts. Yeah. So it's like, oh, the donuts, they're in the trash. I can't have the donuts. I can't have because I'm making healthy choices. I can't have the donuts. So the next thing you know, everyone leaves the room. He's digging the donuts out of the trash. And, you know, I see that on the TV, but I've had many clients tell me that they've retrieved food from the trash. In real life, yeah. I remember you telling me about someone who ate, like seven bowls of cereal at once. Oh yeah, get up in the middle of the night and eat. Yeah, so it's, cereal's it's, a popular one. It's really sad, and um, I guess you know with social media and all of uh, TV and the internet telling us like what she what we should want or what we should look like. Uh, body positivity is something we've talked about, and how people are really trying to make um, obesity like a body positivity thing. And I struggle because I want to love everyone and I think that self-love is super important mm -hmm. but I think you can still love yourself and want your body to be healthy I mean having yeah. you know hundreds of pounds pushing on your organs isn't the healthiest thing for you and that kind of is one of those symptoms of yeah. something that's going on in your mind so that's where your program comes in and fixes that thing that people aren't a lot of the most popular programs aren't fixing. I mean, yeah. we're not going to mention the name per se of one of yeah. the programs, but how much did you say that this industry is making off of people? Oh, you know, it's interesting. We had talked about this particular program that's making $115 million a month just on memberships. Um, but you know what I didn't think about, and one of my clients just sent me an ad for, they sell food too, so, you know, it's just the membership is just part of all the millions and millions of dollars they're making, but um, you bring up the body positivity, 
and accepting people as they are and whatever, that's a very sensitive topic. Yes. And, but the thing is, is it's, it's also one of my misconceptions, um, is that the fat acceptance movement has a long-term positive effect. It's, it's the choice, it's, it's like the choices between being obese and loving yourself that that's not the choice it's like you said you know it's like if you love yourself wouldn't you want to fix this this problem because they don't want to see it as a problem but it was like if you look at a smoker would you say just accept that you have emphysema just accept that you can't breathe right no you would say stop smoking you'd be you would never be saying accept the fact that you know you have lung cancer just but see the thing is they're not making the connection nobody wants to look at the fact that obesity is simply a symptom of a compulsive behavior obesity is not people are not born with obesity it's not a contracted disease which is that show i was watching (laughs) later on they started calling obesity a disease well People are in dis-ease, but it's not, it's not something that, it's, it's not, it's not genetic. It's, there's no reason for obesity other than the amount of food people are ingesting. And I'll tell you what, the people come at me like with a vengeance when I say that, but tell me what that disease is, Caitlin. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me. No one seems to have that answer. And. And even just that interview that I was watching that you showed me that that uh, about the guy talking about the metabolism that this is that people are eating just totally normal amounts of food and it's just their metabolism is that they're you know two hundred pounds overweight no that's not happening right it's the hidden parts that you don't see and that's where the mind comes into play and it's all connected and we know it's connected but we're we're not recognizing the unseen parts of this problem we're only recognizing the actions which we've talked about the um like the apps and what is that fork thing you were telling me about? oh the happy fork yeah yeah what, what does that do again yeah you know i forgot when we were talking about that it's it's it is actually connected to an app and what it does is it tracks your um the motion the fork to the to the mouth now you'd think there'd be a way around that i don't know just don't use the fork, yeah, you know? Use a different, imagine <laughs> that. People going yeah. around. Like, if they're hiding in stairwells or whatever, then I don't see how that... That just seems like it's um, propelling the compulsive behavior of, like, being obsessive. Well, over, it's, it's reinforcing compulsive neural pathways. Yeah. Just being it and you trying to distract. And we've talked about this, too. You know, you can find these, com- you know, these complicated gadgets or like these diets where you have to track all this different stuff points and it's just where it will it will distract you for a while but ultimately you're going to have to deal with the compulsive desire and there's no way to distract distract from that it will refuse to be ignored eventually and people will say to hell with it and that's where they go off their diets yeah and then they intermit so they stick it out for a while then they cheat or go off their diet or whatever they want to call it and then they go crazy with food and then they intermittently reinforce that behavior which is what makes any addiction more deeply ingrained in the neural pathways is to intermittently reinforce it which all the diets out there 
do. Right. Even now the intermittent fasting, perfect setup for getting more addicted. If you weren't, if you didn't have a compulsive relationship with food before you started dieting, you will by the time you, you know, are a few diets in. So. And it's so expensive. I mean, you mentioned how much was it? Fourteen million. Oh right. Yeah. And yeah. I said before. One hundred and fifteen million a month. So imagine, imagine what the world would be like if we put that into healthcare, education, the environment. I feel like the environment is so overlooked. And, you know, I think about, I've been on multiple backpacking trips, you know, three months long where I'm not thinking about, you know, carbs and protein. I mean, I need the nutrition to have that energy, but, you know, that's why I love nature so much is we're thinking about shelter and having warmth and you know we need the food but i'm not obsessing over it and thinking of you know counting all the things like what happens you know people who have apps that count keep track of their calorie intakes what happens when the your phone's dead or i mean it just seems like you're setting yourself up for a different type of compulsive behavior and i I want these people to find freedom i want people to feel like they can live a healthy life without obsessing over some of these things well the diet obsession is a whole compulsion in itself and you talk about being out on a backpacking trip and you don't have cell service you can't check your app well guess what you don't need to check your app right um and i told you about um one of the i don't use imagery in my classes it's not we're not going to pray up on crystals or anything like that but I do like certain, I do use certain images, and one of those is, I call it Uncle Harry and the body cast. And so let's say you have your Uncle Harry gets into an accident, and now he's in a body cast, and you need to feed him. Um, you, you're responsible for keeping him fed. Um, one of the things that I teach my people is reasonable foods at reasonable times. Now, the addictive part of the mind is super invested in getting people into a state of mind of helplessness that they don't know. Oh my God, I'm in the middle of the woods. My phone doesn't work. I can't check my app. I don't know what to eat. What am I going to do? Okay, that's just a lot of BS because, okay, here's Uncle Harry and his body cast, right? You got to feed him. Now, are you going to call a nutritionist and ask, what do I feed my Uncle Harry? Are you going to make him go keto? Are you going to make him intermittently fast? Are you going to put him on Whole30? You know, what do you make it take away? No, no sugar, no dairy. No, you're going to go over there. You're going to feed Uncle Harry. You're certainly not going to like, you know, force him to eat salad because you gave him a cookie. You know, I mean, it's like, you're not going to use these, like, good and bad, and, you know, people are acting like children around food. It's like, oh, I was bad. I had some bread. I mean, I hear adults talking like this all the right. time and normalizing, like, everybody wants to eat out of control. No, this is not normal. It's not a normal thing, and we're doing a complete disservice to children. Yes. Um and the other thing that makes me angry is the hangry thing, mm. teaching kids. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear people use that term in any given day. So much. Teaching so much. kids that anger is a normal response to being hungry. Right. This is super destructive. And again, back to Uncle Harry, you know, and most people know, just innately, you know, what's, what's a reasonable amount of food. And 
not only is there a reasonable amount of healthy eating because you want to take care of your body or whatever, right. and but there's also a reasonable amount of recreational eating. And I've told you about how extreme this healthy obsession gets. The woman whose daughter drooled on the table at the birthday party because she was going to be able to have a piece of cake. Wow. I was 11 years old. Yeah. Traumatized for life because she drooled. You know, that's one of those things that'll like stick with you forever. Yeah. Something that's really embarrassing to you when you're a kid. She drooled on the table because she knew she was going to be able to have a piece of cake when, you know, hyper healthy mom didn't allow any of that stuff because it was her own food compulsions that were probably making her restrict her daughter in such an extreme way. Totally makes sense because kids yeah. absorb what they see and mirror what they see. So yeah. I'm, I'm pretty um, aware, I guess is the word, of teaching my kids to be healthy people and not obsessing over their food or um, even exercise. You know, they're, they're in jujitsu right now mm-hmm. and do swimming and they see me going to volleyball. Um, so they're aware of like what it is to be to live a healthy life mm-hmm. um, and they're actually really good about knowing when they're hungry and when they're not yeah. they don't sit around and obsess over like oh there's you know cookies in the cabinet you know they they like eating cookies don't get me wrong and they'll mm-hmm. eat candy but um, my daughter will even taste something and be like wow this has a lot of sugar I think <laughs> I've had enough sugar and then she just moves on to the next thing she doesn't sit there and like contemplate if she should I let my son overdose on um sugar on one Halloween oh, back yeah. when told me about that. and then he was he, he was like felt terrible I'm oh like well there you go yes <laughs> he learned his lesson I guess and yeah. I think that sometimes people do um like we were just talking about they save up their points or whatever they do really good and then didn't you say someone did this where they saved up their points so on the weekend they could binge and like all that sugar and whatever other yeah nutrients just crashing your system at once. I mean, that creates some of those health issues that we're seeing. And I know, I know it's not always true. There are definitely exceptions, but um, we've talked about how obesity is now the number one cause of preventable death. Preventable cause of death, yep. <clears throat> Surpass smoking. I really think that Beyond Compulsion could be one of those influencers to help get people to learn how to get to the root of the problem instead of trying to change all these little actions that's creating more obsessive obsessive compulsive behavior so people are willing to uh look at it that way there's a lot of resistance Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure it's kind of a real collective resistance uh i'm not sure how we've gotten to this point i think a lot of it is the diet obsession but um i was gonna you mentioned you know your kids and exercise um i think it's really good to to uh, encourage kids to get involved in sports and exercise and be outside and everything. I think it's really important. Um, But what's happened is society, we've connected exercise with weight rather than exercise being important for the vascular system and for muscle tone, strong bones, uh, mm-hmm. mental, you know, benefits, whatever. Yeah. We've connected it as if if you don't exercise obsessively, you're going to be fat. And then it comes down to even an aesthetic thing where people are like they want to look good. Yeah. So. But it's not but exercise is not the solution to excess weight right the solution to excess weight is not to have a compulsive relationship with food and then 
exercise becomes something that you you get the benefits of exercise. But we in our society, if we've connected it, and people really believe that if you aren't exercising all the time, then you're going to be fat. I had this guy say to me, he one of the gentlemen, uh, very highly educated, who endorsed my book Beyond Food Compulsion. He said, "You must, you must totally watch what you eat, or." or exercise all the time. I said, no, neither one, actually. I said, if it wasn't for volleyball, it'd be, be hard-pressed to get me to do much, you know? Right. Um, and I said, and, and I, eat, I eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it, and that includes, you know, some healthy food and some junk. Right. But Same. I don't want to eat out of control. Right. And the... And wanting to eat out of control is not normal, even though our society is totally normalizing it at every turn. And another thing, you know, you mentioned my clients that uh, say points to binge. I've heard that from so many people that because that compulsive desire is so strong that they, you know, they only have so many points they can eat, then they, they save them up so they can get some relief for that for that for that wanting wanting that uh, you know all that extra food um but it's it's the it's the root of the problem and it's not being dealt with on any level and it's all the diets are just making it spin more and more and more out of control and that's another thing my clients become addicted to is getting into the the next diet the next mm-hmm. diet the what's the next thing and but the normalizing is is super dangerous um Oh, that's what I was going to say. The um, the binging. How many times a day? Another thing I hear is people talking about binge watching um, uh, TV shows or whatever. People use that term constantly. It's in every advertisement. Now, binging is a really, really dangerous thing. And yeah, whatever, it's cute and it's it's relevant and hip and everyone's using that term. But I've had clients that binge, and it's a life and death situation. I had one woman who binged on a cherry pie, and she was diabetic, so she took preemptive uh, insulin because she knew she did this binge. She ate the whole pie, and she added whipped cream to it. Well, she woke, her husband woke her up. She'd gone into a, she had a diabetic seizure and wet her bed and bit off the end of her tongue. And, you know... Binging is not, it should not be this cute term. Yeah. Didn't you say you had a friend who actually passed away? And they yes, as a matter of fact. She was, yes. uh, she was a co-writer on my first book, which was called More Than Just Weight Loss. Um, yeah, she uh, was diabetic, and she, she had a serious compulsive relationship with food, and she relapsed. Um, and then she didn't realize she was diabetic, and she went into a diabetic coma, and they found her um, three days after she passed because she lived alone. So, yeah, it was pretty sad. So really hard. I'm just, I, I feel sad, and my heart goes out to people that are struggling with this constant, the hamster on the wheel in their mind, and it's hidden, it's unseen. You know, they maybe do it behind closed doors, and um, it's hard to admit. It's, we live in the diet culture, like you said. Um, it's everywhere. It's number one preventable cause of death so I really hope that people can find your work and um, tap into their 
neural pathways, but I think that, you know, <clears> doing <throat> the programs, like, you have your whole lesson plan set up, so yeah. um, if people can find that, I think um, that would be a The really one thing I'd like to just kind of specify, too, because um, there's a real kind of popular... Uh, fit craze or whatever you want to call it with the mindfulness everyone's you know which people think oh well maybe that's what beyond compulsion is about is being mindful <clears throat> and I really want to like distinguish the difference there because you can't when you have a compulsion people really underestimate it the power of it and you can't just change the way you think you cannot change the way you think by simply being aware of what you're thinking because there's so much more to it what what was that it's kind of the first step of it is recognizing exactly yeah and the thing is is to be able to recognize that that you're wanting to engage in a compulsive behavior there's so much resistance to that because people they don't want to recognize that. They want to distract themselves from it because they know that when they do recognize it or that or allow that to become in the forefront of their mind, that they're going to act on it. And they know that acting on it is causing all the, all the consequences and all the problems. So they really, really resist um, uh, allowing themselves to spend any time in that in that neural pathway, and that's one of the first things that I teach them um, in getting out of the hamster wheel, is mm -hmm. to be able to stay present in that, I, I don't know, like that word present that much, it seems like to, I don't know, anyway, to, to stay, for them to stay with that neural pathway long enough that they can make a change, um, that they can change it and and go in a new direction that they can ultimately be get free of the compulsion by actually changing the neural pathway not creating a new one with some distraction you know people say oh well just go on a meditation retreat and just let it go or go get creative that's a big one I just I literally just heard it yesterday there's an anorexic daughter of a, a an acquaintance signed up for an art class and give her that creative outlet. Hey, I'm sorry, but if you're in as deep as anorexia, no creative outlet's going to handle that. And That's it's not the too, solution. It's important to have creative outlets and you know physical exercise and I don't want to negate any of these you know things people are passionate yep. about but that's yep. what they should be they should be passions and a fun thing not yes. a substitution not for, solution not a solution for compulsive behavior. Right. Right. And maybe once people get, you know, out of their compulsive behaviors and get free, they're going to free up a lot of mental energy to do other things that are going to be more fulfilling in their lives. But what's happening is they're using it as a solution, and that's just not, it's, not it's going to fall short. Um, did we want to talk a little bit about uh, anorexia and bulimia? I mean, I just have a, kind um, of a brief. Yeah, maybe we can share like maybe some clients you've worked with who have had um, problems with anorexia, how that looks, or bulimia, yeah. how that looks different from maybe the, you know, binge eaters or yeah. other well, food issues. it's all compulsive eating, bulimia, and anorexia are all the same, you want to call it a disorder, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, their eating is not in order, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so, but compulsive eaters, they just, they engage in their compulsive behavior, right? And they become obese. 
generally speaking, eventually. Um, but then the bulimic tries to control the consequences of the same compulsive behavior. I'm going to engage in this behavior, but I'm going to, I'm going to purge mm -hmm. and so that I can control the weight. Actually, I had a woman who in bank, filed bankruptcy three times for the amount of food that she was eating and throwing up. Food's expensive. People don't realize how expensive this particular addiction so is because they have to eat, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then there's the anorexic. The anorexic is the absolute ultimate in helplessness because with anorexia, they don't try to control the consequences. They try to control the desire because they're so helpless in the face of wanting to eat out of control. Anorexics live in fear of gaining weight, right? So it's, they, they feel so helpless that if they allow themselves to feel the desire at all, eat anything, they know they're going to get out of control. So they try to control the, um, the desire, uh, and, it's, and it's, it's a really horrible and sad thing. But um, one of the things that I learned about bulimia that I didn't know until I worked with people is that at first you have to force yourself to throw up, you know, um, and then after a while you're just able to just do it. Wow. Um, without the forcing of the, you know, the finger down the throat or whatever. <clears throat> but then what happens is it just happens automatically and you can't not throw up. So they can't really eat in public and, or eat where wow. they know that they're going to have a place that they can throw up. Wow. And that's uh, the woman that, that shared that with me. She said that was just, you know, it was such a fear that, you know, anytime she ate, it was just coming up. So well, there's so many yeah. health problems related yeah. to these disorders. But it's the same, but it's the same, it's driven by the same compulsion, mm -hmm. wanting to eat control, compulsively. Control, yeah. Yeah, it's mean. just, there's different levels of it, and yeah. It's like a, it's like, you know, your hamster on the wheel on your um, YouTube video, it's like a different colored hamster that yeah, you're right? sticking <laughs> on the wheel. Yeah. It's, it's not going to get the hamster off the wheel yeah, and just stick yeah. a different one on there. So, yeah, yeah. so different um, levels of it. And the thing is, is the diet industry, if you think about it, the addictive part of the mind has a goal and that's to get you to feel like you're helpless because then it can be in charge and get you to do what it wants you to do, which is go down this neural pathway, right? Down, mm -hmm. Give me relief, act on this desire, right? Um, so it's, uh, yeah. It's it's a it's a really complex sort of thing. So um, I want to encourage people to look at your YouTube video, um, the seven number seven misconceptions about the obesity epidemic. Yeah. So they can just type that in on YouTube, and it's a really fun video. It's got um, whiteboard drawing that goes along yeah. with the narrator. Yes. Um, and then you have your books, Beyond Food Compulsion by Mary Paulus. Yeah, and they can. Um get in touch with me for books or anything else at my website, mm -hmm. beyondcompulsion.com. And you started a podcast too. Correct. Also Beyond, Beyond Compulsion. Compulsion. Yeah. You have your Instagram mm -hmm. and your Facebook page. So I'd encourage people who are struggling with these issues to reach out to you because um, there's a whirlwind, overwhelming force out there that is the diet industry and um, people need to get off the hamster wheel. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's freedom. what I was going to say before is that... Um, the addictive part of the mind wanting to wanting people to get into that that feeling of helplessness 
that's where um, it, it's, it ties into the anorexia, you know. They're already feeling so helpless that they won't even go near food because if they do, they'll get out of control with it. And the addictive part of the mind just jumps on that and just can really, really um, solidify that helplessness. And it's, yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of the people that I've worked with that have anorexia or bulimia, it seems like they want to just put them on um, antidepressants or meds of some kind. Yeah. You it's know, another booming industry, the pharmaceutical industry, yeah, which, which is another, another misconception yeah. that people eat out of control or whatever because eat beyond what is reasonable because they're stressed or because they're depressed. Mm-hmm. The people that I work with, the most stressful, depressing thing in their lives is that they're stuck in compulsions that they can't get free of not the other way around stress stress management is a really popular treatment for any kind of compulsion so yeah it's like we're trying to find power or control over the wrong issues we're treating the you know limb of the tree that's the roots are actually the infected part yeah they're rotting exactly so yeah it's and and treating the compulsive desire is going to get long-term freedom treating the stress is like another band-aid on a sim you know it's Mm -hmm. like People engage in compulsive behaviors when they're super happy, you know, yeah. once they got that going, they're just, it's going to come up and it's yeah. going to persist until they relieve it with action. And so it's uh, another kind of barking up the wrong tree is mm-hmm. treating the stress aspect of it, but totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to add before we... Um, I think we should just do this again. Okay. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that really could use some help. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I'm excited to see, you know, what is more to come from your business and to come. Yes, exactly. And, and I'm hoping to, um, one of my goals is to get my classes available. Um, so people can do them online, maybe in the privacy of their own homes. Mm -hmm and uh, learn the techniques and then of course I'll be available for follow-up work and um, yeah that would be great yeah yeah because you have some clients right now that you talk to over the phone that you've really yeah I do a lot of phone work I do long distance Mm -hmm. uh, phone work and um, just I just feel like some people uh, well they want to do things online nowadays Mm -hmm. so I don't want to be a luddite and resist all that too much so I want to get my classes available online for people but I don't think that um, is a replacement for some of the the work that needs to be done, like, you know, follow-up work, but they can at least teach themselves the techniques in their in their privacy of their own homes, you know. Yeah, I think that's um, At least make it available to people. Totally. So that's kind of the goal. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me, Mary. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to talk with you. Yeah, you too, as okay. always. Yes. Thanks for listening.